Well, hello, White Sox fans. How are you guys doing tonight? Welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge, and I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How are you doing tonight, Danny? Uh, you know, it was a long Memorial Day weekend, and uh, I shouldn't say long enough, actually. But, uh, you know, back to the grind tomorrow, and uh, same for the Sox. And it looks like it's going to be quite the grind indeed. So let's just go ahead and get rolling. What do you think? I guess so. Um, so... Well, let me ask you this. How yeah. was your weekend? Uh, pretty fantastic, really. Uh, really chill. And uh, got to uh, go and hang out with the family a little bit. My birthday was earlier this week, so, you know, yes. had a little bit of uh, birthday time, and that was nice. Um, happy belated. I know hey, I thanks. told you uh, happy birthday on the day of, but, uh, you know, for the uh, stream and our viewership here, might as well just go ahead and do it again. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, chill, easy. Um, yeah, nothing too crazy. Just, uh, hanging out at home for the most part. And, uh, that's pretty much about it, which is, you know, when you get to be, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, a little bit older, staying home's nice, you know? It so. is indeed. It is indeed. Uh, I did much of the same, nothing crazy this weekend, but, uh, you know, we had some, we had some of our uh, friends over, including, uh, White Sox Daily own uh, Mark Orr for the uh, for the Cubs Sox series on Saturday. Nice. Uh, did some barbecuing out in the yard, and uh, all I'm going to say about that and this weekend is is you know the Sox give me a reason to drink. So uh, you know the uh, the hangover was real this morning, but uh, you know it is what it is. And uh, even after a, a, what I feel like was a cheap win yesterday, uh, somehow some way. The Sox came away from the weekend with, you know, a, a, a very small positive by beating a, a Cubs team uh, yesterday afternoon. So it is what it is, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that uh, the first game, White Sox lose 5-1. to one. Can't string anything together. The only thing that happens is the uh, solo shot from Jake Berger and then the Second game, they don't do anything until the ninth inning where they uh, were able to uh, conjure up some a wild pitch and uh, tie up the game at 1-1. And through uh, the Cubs' ineptness, were able to uh, steal that one. But holy cow, was that game ugly. I mean, I... Yeah. It, it didn't feel... Like a real win, you know, uh, they come away with the win and, you know, I'm sure it is a fan who might've been sitting in the stands, the excitement in the 11th, 12th inning, whatever it was, uh, might've felt real, but watching it on television, uh, with a mixture of both Cubs and White Sox fans at the, uh, at the barbecue that, uh, I was attending, uh, the energy was, uh, slightly different, <laughs> Yeah, I you know, I mean I mean, but you know, like the entire weekend as far as the White Sox were concerned was just not pleasant. Um TA gets injured. Um we'll get to that in a little bit, but uh 
you know, my personal thought is that that's probably going to go on for. I'm thinking that it's probably going to be about a month or so until he comes back, which with this team, uh, a month without TA is going to be ugly. Yeah. You're, uh, well, I mean, really one of the top producers offensively in the entire game of baseball, uh, uh, you know, currently. And uh, for this team, really the only spark plug. Uh, seemingly at the moment with Lewis Robert being out, you know, Andrew Vaughn seems to be doing some things, but uh, you know, you can't expect him to throw the team on his back. And he's not the same kind of spark plug that Tim Anderson has been year in and year out for the past few seasons. So missing Tim is going to be uh, quite the uh, wall to uh, break down. It's going to be quite the event to overcome. So, not really looking forward to this next month or maybe possibly more of baseball, but uh, we shall see. It just doesn't feel good to be a Sox fan at the moment. Yeah. Uh, I mean, when any time you lose a guy with a uh, 164 WRC plus, right. you're going to be hurting. Right. But when we get into some of these numbers later for some of these other guys, um, <laughs> you'll see that uh, – I the it, the the look out the outlook is uh, very bleak, very bleak. Um, you know, I've seen people on Twitter, you know, more or less saying that the season's over if he's gone for any extended period of time. And uh, you know, I mean, it it certainly feels that way. I don't know if I completely, you know, I don't disagree. Uh, you know, this team seems to find a way to kind of stay at least, uh, with their head slightly above water. Uh, you know, they have been hovering at like one game under or one game over 500 or right at 500 for what seems like, you know, pretty much since early in the season, uh, for a long time now. And somehow, some way they continue to do that, even though their uh, run differential, is uh, heavily on the negative side. And, you know, I don't know how they do it, but they find ways. They, uh, they're they very good at bum slaying and uh, just kind of keeping their – they're just treading water, basically. And uh, when you're missing uh, when you're missing your, your main guy, it's, it's going to be – it's going to be a, a real hill to uh, climb. Yeah, I have to uh, agree with all that. Um, so the one positive that came out of the weekend was Lance Lynn down in Charlotte made a uh, rehab start, and he went three innings pitched, um, no runs. Um, I believe he had two hits and uh, three strikeouts. So uh, I think the first inning he got like uh, two ground outs and a fly out, and then uh, gave up a triple in the second inning, and then Carlos Perez picked him off a third Uh Back picked him at uh, third base, uh, threw right over his back, and uh, then Lance Lynn got a strikeout on the very next pitch and out of that inning. And then in the uh, third inning, he struck out two, and I think he got a fly out. So nice to see from Lance Lynn that uh, there is, you know, some hope on the horizon. But the the unfortunate thing is that, uh, you know, Lance Lynn's not going to, uh, Im, you know, use the uh, Shohei Otani rule and uh, hit 30 home runs and start driving the offense. You know, I mean, he's a 
He is a pitcher, and uh, unfortunately, he doesn't put runs on the board. He can only stop them from scoring runs, and um, yeah. We're going to need as much of that as possible in this next yeah. coming month or longer. Where the pitching staff, I mean, pitching staff as a, you know a general whole, uh, and you know, minus a one Dallas Keuchel, which the White Sox are you know minus of uh, completely now. And I, you know, I guess we'll talk a little bit more about that in a while. But uh, you know, the pitching staff generally has been pretty good. Uh, and it is probably the reason, probably the sole reason that this team is not in the, you know, the gutter completely. Oh, 100%. Uh, 100%. Right. So, you know, getting Lance Lynn back is definitely going to be a, a boost for this team. But, uh, you know, you can keep as many runs off the board as you like. You got to be able to score some runs too. So we're going to need as much as we can get out of uh, guys like Johnny Cueto and Lance Lynn and, you know, dare I say Vince Velasquez even. Uh, you know, now that he's kind of been uh, relegated to a bullpen role. Uh, but, you know, he may uh, have to step up and make some spot starts, kind of fill in that, that role that uh, Crochet was supposed to fill in before he went down with his injury. So, yeah, uh, you kind of just hope that this uh, this pitching staff can really keep it together for this club. Otherwise, uh, the, they're going to go, they're going to go down in the, in flames rather quickly if the pitching has any kind of stumbles or missteps whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, stumbling, uh, Aloy Jimenez in triple a, he had hamstring surgery and, uh, you know, from a partial tear of the hamstring and, um, you know, came back pretty pretty quick and said he felt good and everything was okay, and uh, goes and proceeds to go and uh, on his first hit in his rehab assignment uh, leaves the game with a quote unquote sore uh, right hamstring. So, you know, who knows how long until until he's back uh, in his rehab and. Um, until he's back with the White Sox, could be a uh, could be a while. Yeah, uh, Tony Larusa said in a post game, one of the post game interviews that uh, you know it was it was just he was told it was just being cautious and that really nothing to be concerned about. But the way that this White Sox team has been injury prone for the last few years, it's hard to buy anything about you know just being cautious. Uh, and, you know, the other thing about that is, and we've talked about this before on the show, is is when the White Sox say they're being cautious, but, uh, you know, not really pushing a guy into maybe a, a further, you know, rehab assignment or, you know, some kind of uh, medical leave, you, you get the feeling that maybe they, they've pushed these guys into situations where they're coming back from injuries too soon. Uh, you know, i.e. Carlos Rodon, all those years, uh, amongst others, where, you know, maybe guys shouldn't be doing the things that they do, resuming baseball activities when they do. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I hope that uh, Tony LaRusso is right when he says that uh, it's just being cautious that Eloy was uh, Eloy was pulled from that game. And, uh, you know, we'll see him again soon. But, 
Ah, you know, the injury thing is really, it's tough to swallow. And when do heads roll? When do heads roll in that training staff? I do not know. I mean, it's, I mean, we're going on what, like uh, three years of this now. And, you know, first year you had COVID to blame. Second year was the year after COVID. So, you know, that was it. And then this year, no spring training. A real, you know, like a couple weeks of spring training, you know, versus six weeks of spring training. And so now they've got that to blame. Um, you know, I don't know. It, this, it's a, you know, other teams are having injury injuries as well, but I mean, it, it's not to, not to every single guy that's supposed to be the, uh, you know, like one of the key parts of the offense. Um, yeah, we've seen it happen to the Yankees before where Judge and Stanton went down and LeMahieu got injured and like you know last year and that team looked terrible and um I mean kind of the same thing last year Robert and Aloy both injured and uh Mankata still dealing with the covid thing so you know I mean it is happening to other teams um it just seems that the White Sox are snake bit. I mean, you got Joe Kelly just went back on the IL with uh, a hamstring. Uh, Mankata with a quad. Uh, not on the IL, but uh, hasn't played in three days now. Um, three games. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's ugly, man. I'm sure there's probably one or two that I'm forgetting because there seems to be injuries everywhere oh yeah it's easy to forget when you can go down the list and and say you know you can pick out pretty much a name from the hat and say well this guy spent some time on the il for this and this guy spent some time on the il for that but uh the majority of the uh the injuries with this uh white Sox team for the last three years has been you know legs mostly hamstrings throw in a you know a random quad here or there or, or a knee somewhere in between but you know the amount of of hamstring pulls and hamstring tears and quad injuries is it's it's baffling to me yeah that pro athletes that are supposed to be in the best condition of their life are they over conditioned are they overtrained are they understretched who is who supervising all of this and why isn't something being done to try to maintain and prevent these injuries from happening. Well, you know, I I have heard rumblings of, you know, one of the reasons why Alec Thomas was let go was over a kerfuffle with uh, TLR. Um, he gave a bunch of stretching programs to the guys, and apparently nobody did that. And uh, he tried to call players out on it, and TLR kind of got in the middle of it, and uh, that's partially why he's gone. Um, I mean, so, I mean, with that kind of, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, as of right now, that's, you know, hearsay because nobody's really going to say that was for sure. Well, nobody from the team anyway. Right, right, right. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. But, you know, I think, what is it now? James Cruck is the, uh, the head trainer, I believe. Uh, yeah, you know. It, it almost makes me feel like if that's the case, is this guy just a yes man to TLR? Is is everybody uh, so gun shy to speak up 
and and actually make a move on this team because you know they might get the X that uh, you know we're just going to keep seeing these kinds of things repeat themselves over and over again because nobody really wants to speak out speak up against you know what it's actually happening in the clubhouse. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's a, if that's the case, <laughs> this team's doomed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if that's indeed the case, I mean, I would say that he's probably a, a yes man towards uh, you know Jr. and Kenny Williams and Rick Hahn. and you know you don't want to upset the you know the balance in the clubhouse or whatever. Um, you know my like I'm kind of to the point where. You know, chemistry is great and everything, and it's cool that everybody's best friends and that you've got all these guys who love each other in the clubhouse and everything. Um, you know, if you know, if that's if this is what we get from that as a result, is that everybody's super comfortable, something needs to be done to make them uncomfortable because this is clearly not working. Yeah, the scene where, uh, you know, in Moneyball, where Brad Pitt enters the clubhouse and smashes the boombox and calls out the players for, you know, is this fun? Yeah. Are you having fun? This isn't fun, you know? Uh, that whole thing, it kind of comes to mind. If you, And I actually had this thought over the weekend. Is the White Sox clubhouse as uh, gelled as they would have you believe? Is everything hunky-dory in there? Do these guys feel good about walking away with a win the way they did uh, yesterday evening against the Cubs. I can't imagine. Uh, you know, I, I if if they're going to come out and say, you know, everybody's good and, and we're all best buds and, you know, Tim Anderson calls, you know, Tony La Russa his best friend and he's always there for him. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they paint this picture of everything's golden. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I played on some teams where things aren't going well. There's not a lot of fun being had, and guys are. Uh, I lost you. Uh, guys are being vocal with each other ah, in Modern Clubhouse. Yeah. Uh-oh. Is that yeah, I, I lost I'm you for a second, later. but you're, uh, you're back. Okay. I was you're just back. saying, you know, it, it, it can't possibly be all sunshine and rainbows. Uh, it can't be at this point, you know? I mean, there's got to be, like, some civil unrest in that room. Somebody's got to be pissed off. Somebody. Because, I mean, clearly the results are not there. You have two-thirds of the team, you know, with like a, something like a six, you know, like a 50 WRC plus or lower, um... You know, I, I, you, these guys cannot be happy. I mean, the, the, the team's offense is one of the worst in the AL. The, the literally, like you had mentioned earlier, the only thing that is keeping this team above water is the pitching staff. And as we saw last year, that can only keep you going for so long. Right. You know, and, and like mentally and physically, the pitchers will start to break down. You know, or, you know, you're going to play better teams. And, you know, you might be able to keep them in check for, uh, you know, for the 
the regular season. But when it comes to playoff time, and we saw what this team has done two years in a row in the playoffs. Yeah, laying an egg one, like that one is going to be acceptable again. Yeah. I mean, you get you get one win out of it, and, and that's it. And, um, yeah, no, I'm not sure how they can either. Donuts. I mean, yeah, it's got to be. I mean, think about this. Dylan Cease holds the Cubs to zero runs. Until the seventh inning. Jake Berger makes an error. He gives up one earned run. <clears throat> no decision. Are you kidding me? You can't score yeah. one run. And, you know, I even got to say that, that 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 error was kind of a questionable one. Yeah, it wasn't a playable ball, sure. It was, it was a tough play. It was tough. I mean, it was, you know, backhand side, and he even, you know, tried to push it forward and keep it in front of him, and it still went behind him. You know, I mean, it was it was not the easiest play. Of course, everybody on social media wants to throw him under the bus for making the error, blah, 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 whatever. You know, I mean, it happens. He's generally f- fairly decent at third base. He is a capable third baseman. Now, am I saying yeah. that I want to replace Mankata with Jake Berger? No. No. No, no. But, I mean... Wouldn't mind seeing Jake in the lineup every day, though. Maybe yeah. somewhere else. I mean, he hit the he hit the solo shot against the Cubs on the first game on Saturday, and you know, then he gets the game winner on Sunday. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not remotely saying that he's better than Mankata, but Mankata right now, I think he's got like a 22 WRC plus. He is struggling. You know, yeah, I mean, granted, you know, he had the first month of the season, you know, first month and a half of the season off. I get it. I'm not saying that he's not going to improve and he's not going to get better. He will. I mean, you've seen him go on month-long tears. Even last year when, you know, he ran out of gas about halfway through the year, he still, you know, for that first half of the year, you know, he had like a, what, like a one... 150 WRC plus or something for like two months. I mean, the, the guy yeah. can play baseball. He had a four and a half war last year. That is nothing to sneeze at. And that's not, that's when he's not feeling, you yeah, know, it's funny. You bring it up four and a half war in, in one season, you know, yet we see Leary Garcia, who's got under four and a half war for a 10 year career. And we see him every day. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So let, let, I mean, I want to address this because this is something that I hear a lot. He looks uninterested at the plate. Now, if I remember correctly, John Garland also looked uninterested when he was pitching and didn't have that fire, you know? Um, you hear things about uh, f- football coaches that don't have that fire, and that's why they suck, and you need to fire – you need to, you need to hire somebody like Ditka who's always – you know, who's – you know, got that fire and he's got lots of emotion. I mean, how much how much do you put into this? A four and a half war player. Now, last year, I don't remember him looking that much more interested at the plate, quote unquote. Um, how much how much do you put into this? Because I like me personally, that's just like his demeanor. And yeah, and you know that's the thing. There seems to be uh, it, it's not. I'm not hearing that just about Mankata either. Oh yeah, it's you know, everybody. Yeah. Most, 
when Jose was going through his struggles early in the season and he Very seems to kind of, yes. he, he seems to be putting things together. That was the big thing on him. I saw a lot of that. Jose just looks disinterested at the plate. Just doesn't look like he's he doesn't he just, look like swinging hard, doesn't look yes. like he's trying, just yeah, doesn't yes. seem to care. And now he's putting it together and not a lot of people are really talking. Oh, now he's that. interested. Now he's interested. Right. Right. Uh I think that's just uh, you know, that look and that feeling is just it's a guy going through some struggles. That's a guy who might have some emotions about the, the way he's playing at the moment. And it's not really that he's disinterested. Uh, he's maybe frustrated. Yeah, that probably so is. That's probably, probably what it is. He's probably frustrated with uh, the way the rest of the team is going. And like we said just a little bit ago, I'm probably sure there's some frustration in the clubhouse and there's some emotions there. And, uh, you know, guys are... Uh, Guys are feeling some things right now, and they're 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 struggling their way through some things. And hopefully, you you, you got to think that this many talented players cannot stay at a, a level well below what they're capable of for so long. But at the same time, we look at you know this isn't something new. We can go back to the middle of last season and see that these struggles just seem to be compounding on each other, one right after the other. And it, I, I don't know that it's disinterest. It's there's something chemically wrong with this team. There's something organically wrong. I shouldn't say chemically, but organically there's, there's a disconnect somewhere. Yeah. And you know, we I can, uh, we, we can point, we can point the blame at a lot of different things. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to get into that same hole that we've gone down that rabbit hole so many times before, but, you know, somebody has to take the reins and inject some fire into this club somewhere. But it really, you know, we talk about that fire and, and the lack of interest. I don't think that's really the case at all. I think there's there's something deeper than that going on. And uh, it, we're probably not even going to hear what that what that is. You're not going to get that publicly mentioned by somebody within the organization. So, you know, I, I would say um... – so Dallas Keuchel's gone, uh, which we mentioned earlier. And, uh, you know, if I had a, you know, if I had a, uh, I'll do a hat dance up here in a, in a little bit, you know, I'm pretty, pretty stoked about that. Um, but I, I'd say that it was fairly obvious that he was probably not a positive influence in the dugout. I no, mean, I mean we can you can go over the, uh, the 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 crazy comments that he's made over the last couple of seasons and and just see right then and there. Which a lot of the time, the- fair criticism, right? I mean, some of, it, some of it. You know, yes, I would. You know, there his nonsense about oh yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, you know, just a couple plays here and there would have changed everything. No, you're hot garbage. You're done. Your career's over. However, you know, his criticism of the defense, I mean, we have been watching this. I mean, we've been watching it for years now. Um, It's just lots of mediocre defense that when it gets together, turns into really, really bad moments, uh, you know, really bad mental lapses that – cost runs and cost you games or at least make it way more difficult than it should be. Right. So, 
that needs to be addressed. Um, and, you know, I will say, you know, Josh Harrison is a, is a pretty good second baseman defensively. Um, and he is a veteran presence on the club. Now, yesterday, Jake Berger uh, in extras with Reynaldo. Uh, Reynaldo comes in to field the third base, you know, to, to field the bunt and goes to throw to third base to get the runner at third. Jake Berger's not at third base. So instead, he has to throw it to first. Error on the throw because he's trying to whip it as hard as he can over there to make up for having to look at third first and then throw to first. Um, and then literally the next batter, the same thing happens. There's no communication between third base and pitcher and the exact same thing happens. Now this is where a veteran presence on that infield, somebody like a Josh Harrison, somebody like Jose Abreu should be taking these guys aside because they had a meeting after the first one. There should have been something like you idiots, you have to talk to each other. You can't just expect somebody to know what's going on when they're trying to make a play. You have to, you know, you have a job. And the same thing happens the next play. That is inexcusable. And I mean, it was almost it was almost a carbon copy. Yes, really. I mean, you know, the second time around, I think Jake maybe took two less steps yeah. towards, you know, the, the bunted ball than he did the first time around. But essentially, he was nowhere near the bag to cover. Uh, fortunately, Raylo had the presence of mind to not even look in his direction and take the easy out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I Well, agree. the guy also got a better break on that one. So right. he was there was like no shot that he was going to get the guy. There was no play. But, again, I agree with you. You know, it was, it was literally the same play. There needs to be some sort of communication. There needs to be – there just needs to be a, a – a, they need to revert back to some of the basics of, of the game and knowing your position and what your job is on that particular play. And uh, that didn't seem to happen. And, you know, I'll agree with you that, you know, maybe somebody needs to take the reins, whether it's Jose Abreu or Josh Anderson or even Raylo being on the mound as kind of the captain on the on the field there. Somebody. Uh, but essentially – Again, you know, this kind of goes back to my whole argument for the last few months of preparedness in general and how this team has kind of looked completely unprepared in a lot of different situations, and I blame the coaching staff. And I'm not just saying TLR. No, Miguel Cairo, absolutely. I'm saying the entire staff, you know. You know, everybody talks about Debo like, well, he's the first base coach. And, you know, they talk about Joe McEwing, he's the third base coach. But, you know, these guys are out there coaching these guys all day long. They don't just stand at a base and wave guys around and tell them to steal bases and when to go. Uh, this entire coaching staff needs uh, – where and when do does the, 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 the readiness of the team not fall on the players? You know, I, I get that these guys are paid millions of dollars to go out and do a job day in and day out. And, uh, you know, they get to go out and play a kid's game and they make a fortune doing it. And, you know, they're the ones that execute every day. But, you know, I, I don't care who you are. If you're a baseball player, 
if you're an accountant, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor, all of these people have to go through practice runs or, you know, and repetitive things. And, and somebody's got to pick them up and boost them up every now and again. You know, uh, I, every job I've ever been in, you know, we have meetings, we have sit downs, we have new trainings, you know, there's always something going on. And, you know, usually, usually that creates some kind of spark in the work environment. And it would probably do the same thing in baseball. And you just never see anything really come together with this white sex team. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, maybe I'm, uh, maybe I'm going a little too deep down that rabbit hole. I don't know, but uh, I don't think so. You know? Yeah, I will say that it is up to the players to execute. But yeah. who who are the ones to make sure that the players are uh, ready to make those executions? Who are ready to make the plays game in and game out, game out, and and be in the right place? And then when do we see a lineup that he plays enough together in the same position to feel comfortable about the guy next to him and know where he's going to be? So. Now that uh, we have no TA, your number one hitter is gone. How long until we see Leary leading off the game? Uh, probably, I'd say in the next week sometime. I don't know if he would do it tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I, I imagine that there's going to be a chance where he does some some sort, someplace in the next week. Tony LaRusso is going to give it a shot. It's his guy. It's his guy. It's Larry Legend. He's an everyday player, and Tony La is going to make sure that that happens one way or another. <laughs> Whether we believe it or not, he's going to make him an everyday player. I mean, we've already seen it. It's you know, it's too late to deny it at this point. <laughs> I mean, this franchise gave Larry Garcia a three-year contract. I just, I just said that, and it's real. It happened. I, I, $17 million. Well, 16 and a half, you know. What? <laughs> Semantics. You know, it's uh, <laughs> slightly better. It's $5.5 a year. Um. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know, man. Like, I just question so many things about this franchise when stuff like, when this stuff compounds, it just, it brings up new questions. And they're not questions that I want to be thinking about. I don't want to be thinking about, uh, Rick Hahn, and did he do a good job? Now, I will say that I think maybe the monetary allocation uh, is certainly not how I would have chosen to do it. Um, But at the same time, you know, I look at it as well, and... He's he's trying to build a bullpen, and he's trying to build the bullpen, okay? Because he thinks that these guys are finally going to be healthy, and we finally got everybody together, and, you know, we've only had all the entire lineup together, you know, 11 times in a season and a half. 
we finally got all these guys together. They're all going to be healthy. And then, boom, one drops. And then, boom, another guy drops. And then a pitcher gets injured. He's out for three weeks, you know, with a with a hamstring. Boom, this guy goes out with a knee injury. He's out for, you know, a month and a half and misses the first month and a half of the season. I mean, this is just like the most colossal, like, train wreck for a franchise that I, I could possibly think of. I mean, is nobody can stay healthy. And the guys that are staying healthy are just not producing. What's up, Pusher Roba? How you doing? Happy Monday, sir. Happy Memorial Day. Yeah, good evening. Uh, yeah, and you know, you talk about the, the financial allocation a little bit. And uh, again, this is a subject that we've touched on here and there, you know, over... Oh, over the last couple of years, I guess, really. Uh, but, uh, you know, I had mentioned it months ago. And uh, when I mentioned it, it kind of preceded you to, uh, you know, go back and uh, do some digging of your own. But we talked about these early extensions for guys that had never played a single MLB game and uh, the amount of money spent. And, you know, you did the uh, you know you did the math on on what the White Sox might be saving over the length of a contract, but at the same time, it was a different way about going. It was a different it was a different way to handle. You know, making sure these guys felt comfortable and felt like they were part of the White Sox family than had really ever been done before. You know, it's not something that teams typically do is pay guys five year, six year contracts. And pay them millions and millions of dollars when they're in the first year of a rookie contract or second year of a rookie contract. Teams typically wait to see what these guys do to produce. And then you know what? You've got that money on the books to go out and spend and get the players that you want. And instead, the White Sox had a ton of money tied up in guys that would have essentially have been on rookie contracts and not making anywhere close to the money they're making now. And, you know, as we talk about it, three of those guys are uh, some of the more injury-prone players in the team and seem to miss a lot of time. And uh, that money could have been spent elsewhere on possibly, oh, I don't know, a right fielder, a second baseman, another, you know, solid starting pitcher. Uh, And now we're looking at, you know, the fifth or sixth, I believe it's the sixth highest payroll in baseball. Seventh. Uh, Seventh, okay. And, uh, you know, maybe... Maybe if this team is still near 500 in, say, a month or so when we start getting closer to the uh, trade deadline, maybe. I mean, there is a little bit of wiggle room that midseason trade for a push. But really, I mean, how well do you feel about going out and getting, what are you going to get, one guy at the deadline? Why? Maybe two. At this point, I, would you be surprised if a couple of guys got – Launched? Because I sure wouldn't. No. I mean, if things continue like this, I mean... No, could they be sellers? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I would 100% expect at least a couple of guys to go. Um, How many guys? I don't know. But, I mean... (sighs) Yeah, I don't know, man. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that... uh, 
Yeah, the greatest play in MLB history. The the greatest inept defensive play in history by the Pirates. I know what that link is. I'm not clicking on that nonsense. You get out of here with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I you know, I man, I just you know, I I want you know, I people are are screaming for accountability everywhere saying, "Uh, well, you know, Rick Hahn's not being held accountable." Uh, TLR is not being held accountable. The players aren't being held accountable. And at what point, you know, do you just, uh, at this point, there's nothing they can do about it. Other, you know, I mean, yes, can they, you know, fire TLR? They could. Would that jumpstart things? Maybe. You know, I mean, uh, there are certainly, I I know that uh, there have been uh, a couple of, tweets by uh, somebody who's in chat rather regularly that uh you know is saying that you know Yolbert can't come up from Charlotte yet because he you know is hitting 250 over his last I don't know how many games he cited or whatever but something yeah, yeah something like that but I mean you you know you could also look at it like well the guy's got 13 hits in his last 10 games which is more than a hit a game you could look at it that way as well and he's only got, you know, yeah, he has like a four game stretch after, you know, after that, what was it? Two for 20 something or whatever. Yeah. Two for, yeah. I mean, I don't know what the number was. he was in a bad stretch and then he came back and he had like, you know, four or five hits. Yeah. And he, then, yeah. Uh, and then he went on another four game stretch where he went over. But I mean, honestly, to see him even bounce back the way he did from that, you know, ex- a little bit, I wouldn't call it an extended slump, but maybe a slightly extended slump that he went through shows the grit you know, of a guy that can bounce back from that. That's really all I wanted to see from him was that he wasn't going to go into some, you know, black hole, you know, and, and yep. lose his concentration completely. Yep. So still plays you know, good defense know. too. Right. And he's 25 years old as could, you know, compared to, you know, and he's rule five guys. eligible at the end of this season. So he has to be put on the 40 man regardless you have right. your mean Mercedes down in Charlotte who's hitting like 130 or something like that. I, I feel fairly confident that they could take him off the 40-man if they wanted to. Um, there are a couple of other guys that are candidates for that as well. I mean, you know, it's not like Josh Harrison's really doing a whole lot to, uh, you know, he's not doing anything to keep his roster spot at this point realistically um go ahead and get into some of these numbers here um versus left-handed pitching oh a three ops plus a singular digit three Josh Harrison? Yes. Well, a three wow. OPS plus and eight WRC plus in high leverage situations. Eight WRC plus? Eight WRC plus. That's, that's 92% below the average player. Yeah. League league average is 100. And these guys in single digits in both categories. Yes. <laughs> high leverage. Situations negative forty four WRC plus negative forty four WRC plus. 
with men on bl- with men on base, this this is where he shines. Uh, a thirty three WRC plus, <laughs> and with runners in scoring position, a sterling seventy one WRC plus. Oh my goodness! This is where he shines. He says, "Yes, Bad where God. he shines." Your delivery was impeccable. Now, I will say this, okay? <laughs> now, we have seen that when you put him in the nine spot in the lineup, one twelve WRC plus. When he's batting nine. Well, no, you can't. You can't bat him nine because that's Andrew Vaughn's spot. All right, so now, now, now I'll do Leuri Garcia. When when he's batting eighth, he has a ninety-seven WRC plus. When he is batting ninth, one hundred and sixty-seven WRC plus. But you know what? He'll never he'll never see number nine in the lineup because he's a good hitter, and he deserves to be higher in the lineup. Apparently, so I hear. Uh, let me go. Let me go through uh, some of these numbers here. Uh, in high leverage situations, Larry Garcia a negative sixty six WRC plus. Oh my goodness! In high le- in high leverage hey. situations, he is batting 083. That is how we say in the business suboptimal. Um, suboptimal. That's a nice. Word. <laughs> With runners in scoring position, 25 WRC+. Plus. Oh. With men on base, a 10 WRC+. Plus. Now, this is, this is one of my favorite stats that I, uh, that I found. And, you know, you could say that I might be cherry-picking, but when I can spout off this many numbers that says that this guy's bad, um, it's not cherry-picking anymore. It's just simply stating facts. Um his split OPS versus right-handed pitching is 41, a 41 OPS plus. Versus Dear left-handed God. pitching, it is a 9 OPS plus. Another one of those single-digit numbers. Left-handed pitching versus a left-handed starter, he is a negative 35 OPS plus versus a left-handed starter. A negative 35. He has 35 points below the average. Yes. He, uh, he has a four WRC plus against left-handed pitching. <sighs> so my question here, oh, he also, he has a 0.091 BABIP versus left-handed pitching. So between Josh Harrison and Larry Garcia, you versus left-handed pitching, you have a nine OPS plus, and you have a three OPS plus. Oh, versus left-handed pitching. So my question is, Larry Garcia has the six most at bats on the White Sox. This guy. If there's a left-handed pitcher on the other team that's showing up, he should not play. I mean, even if the if the team rolls in and even one of their pitchers is a left-handed pitcher, uh, he should not be playing. 
absolutely brutal. I mean, I at that you know I don't even know. I mean, yes, they are some legendary numbers. It is ridiculous that this guy is even seeing the field. I mean, you cannot. I mean, even with even versus right-handed pitching, both of those guys. I, I want to say I don't remember what uh, Harrison's numbers were, but I'm pretty. Sure, I think it was like a 55 WRC plus uh, total, and I think Larry's like a th- a 40 something. I mean, these guys are 50 percent worse than the average player in major league baseball at their position. I mean, it is there's I mean there's no excuse for these guys to get on the field. No. And the fact that you um, gave Larry a 3-year contract, a utility guy. Now this is where it goes back to Rick Hahn when we talk about use of resources is that the only thing that this team has produced from the farm consistently is utility men <coughs> and bullpen guys. And what did you spend all of your money on this year? Utility guys and bullpen guys. Granted, the bullpen guys that you spent money on are were are very good. And I'm not I'm not necessarily upset about that. It's just well, they're very good when they're on the field. Fair know. enough. I, and you, I mean, Kelly. yes, Joe Kelly fine. But Joe Kelly, when he gets, you know, when he gets back in the swing of things, he should be very I mean, yeah, good. He's, he's been, uh, he's been a lot of fun to watch when he's actually, you know, been on the field, unfortunately, you know, uh, with the late start, still, uh, rehabbing through some, uh, arm issues and now, uh, having another injury. Uh, yeah, you hope that he comes back and, uh, does what Joe Kelly does, but, uh, you know, like you said, all the money was spent in places that probably didn't need to be spent at all when you have a a penchant for success in those categories and on those places in the, on the field, (laughs) you know, it's, ah, but you know, here's the thing here in those numbers, the, the Leary Garcia and, and Josh Harrison numbers. Why does, Oh, you know, I know the answer to this question. And we've asked it a million times, and we've heard the statements from Tony Larusa. But why is it that we see Leary Garcia for what he is, and Tony Larusa does not? Why is he trying to force feed this? This this he's an everyday player. He's a good hitter. He doesn't deserve to hit in the nine hole. I'm going to put him in the two hole, the three hole, the five hole. You know, and I. I, I how long does the front office allow this to continue? Somebody, I mean, I don't care if, 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 it, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf murdered somebody and Tony LaRussa knew all the details and was hanging this over Jerry Reinsdorf's head. At some point, you got to go, you know what? Screw it. You suck. <laughs> and uh, you got to go. You know what I mean? Like what, what could he possibly, this, this hire, many of us thought was, uh, you know, a retribution for 
a, a past indiscretion in his firing, you know, 40 years ago. And this is now, you know, his way of making up for that. And, you know, whatever that is, whatever, if that's really honest. But at what point do you not say, okay, you know what? I did my, I did my, my, my due diligence by trying to give you another shot. And I tried to make up for, for doing my friend wrong by giving him another job. But you know what? You're just not doing the job anymore. So I'm sorry. But I gotta fire your ass again. Yep. I mean, at what point do you say my penance has been made? Let me move you into an advisory role. Yeah. Playing in Anaheim. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's uh, we're not gonna fire you. We're just gonna give you a different job. Yeah. At this point, quite all right with that. What do you? I mean, at this point, what do you have to lose? I mean, you have to lose the entire season if you don't make a change. Uh, you cannot change, you know, like they say, you can't fire an entire roster. You can fire a coach. Right. Or in this case, a manager, you know, whatever. And uh, at this point, I, uh, what choice do you have at this point? You know? You know, and that's the thing. I mean, this guy's supposed to be some pitching guru, the way he manages a pitching staff. Dave Duncan but, was uh, the genius. Right. It was not. And, and, you know, we've seen it. Just let's just take the last two games. You know, Johnny Cueto on Saturday, uh, it was in a uh, a position where the game was within reach. And he was brought back out for another inning where he was already clearly fatigued and uh, really kind of forcing his way through. And it felt like another one of those instances where he was left out to die while guys were ready in the bullpen. And then we saw it again yesterday. Dylan Cease comes out in the seventh inning, and it was obvious to everyone on the planet, so much so that the, even the broadcast team had to say, uh, you know, Kendall Graveman is basically ready and standing around in the bullpen. He's been throwing for quite a while in the bullpen. He's warmed up and ready to go, and we're watching Dylan Cease struggle to get through the inning. And you know what he did? He made it through the inning minus the, you know, with a Jake Berger error that we talked about, which is a questionable error to begin with. It was a tough play. Uh, they get out of the inning. They only give up one run, whatever. But Dylan Cease was literally, he was laboring. He was at 105 pitches before he faced the last batter of the evening, of the inning. I think he finished the game with like 108, 109 pitches. And this is your guru. This is your pitching guru. And the only excuse I can think that TLR would have in that instance is the game before those two games. You had Dallas Keuchel pitch two innings, get yanked, and you bring in Reynaldo Lopez, who is supposed to be your long reliever, who can spot start and go, you know, a decent amount of innings, give you, you know, four, five innings maybe even. And he comes out, he pitches a third and a fourth, and they yank him, and they use half the bullpen. So now you got to, oh, well, you know, I felt like I had to put these guys in a die for the next two games because I used half my bullpen the game before. Yep. That's not, uh, that's not guru-esque. Well, see, no, that's the thing. That's, you know, TLR is smarter than all of us. He knew that on Sunday that it was going to be a very hard game. So that's why he wanted Cueto to pitch longer because, um, he knew what was coming. 
he's just like a, a fortune teller or a seer, you know. Oh, he, he, he was prognosticating the extra innings. Game. He knew that that's what was going to happen, so uh, he <laughs> wanted to keep his bullpen ready for the next day. So because he knew that, and he is a, a very wise uh, Hall of Famer baseball person, that uh, that's why he decided to keep the bullpen intact for Sunday. Right, right. Yes. Right. Yeah, the uh, I, I'm. Uh, you're playing checkers. I'm playing chess. Yes, I'm I, I smarter than comment. you. I, I made the com- Yeah, I have an office. I have an office. Did you play? <laughs> did you play major league baseball? I didn't think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. This team I, is- I made the comment that, that uh, Tony Larusa's uh, chess set is made out of Play-Doh, but you know, hey. <laughs> which he which he eats with paste. Um, so uh, it's mentioned in chat the Sox team is on pace to score 583 runs this season. Uh, not without TA, it's not. Yeah, it's I'll just not leave that there. Uh, there they'll be on if he, if he's out. Yeah, if he has what uh, what Luis Robert had with the uh, torn groin, uh, hip hip. Adductor, whatever, whatever it was that he had that was uh, that was uh, he needed surgery on, uh, and he's out for like three months. Um, not only a is this season over, um, this team will be lucky to score five hundred runs because he scored fifteen uh, percent of their runs this year so far. So if he's not there and he is by far your best player, um. I'll be shocked if this team scores 500 runs. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, oof. It's going to get ugly. I mean, it's been ugly already. It's been uh, unwatchable. The, the fact that the team is hovering near 500 for as long as it has is actually quite unbelievable because, you know, the stats say otherwise. The stats say they should not be anywhere near. 500 at this point but you know now uh the offense is going to take the biggest hit that it's had in i don't even know how long it's it's been a long time since you've seen a guy of ta's caliber at the dish go down for a long time in the middle of what the entire what looks like the entire team slumping aside from you know andrew vaughn well Uh, bray has been on his way back that's been nice to see Jake Berger has been okay. Jake uh, Berger, I mean, we just he just got called up for his you know second go around this season. Uh, looks like he's probably going to be sticking around for a while now. I would imagine with uh, Tim out. Although who knows what uh, you know what they have in store for that whole scenario. But uh, I mean, what do we do? We see we're going to see a lot more uh, Danny Mendick, and uh, you know we're going to see a lot of Leary Garcia. Yeah. yeah, I will Danny say this: Mendick. Danny Mendick Danny at Mendick. least has a one sixteen OPS plus. So yeah. I mean, small granted, size, very but- right, very small sample size, but at least I can look at him and say he plays a solid shortstop. Doesn't make ridiculously stupid plays, uh, and he can at least be, you know, two fifty, two forty. 
and put up, you know, like a, you know, decent amount of power, more so than Lairi, you know. Now, Lairi, as as we've mentioned before, he is not a positive at any defensive position. He can play a lot of defensive positions, but he's not a plus at any of them. So he's got a 4.4 war for his entire 10-year career in the major leagues, and all 4.4 of that war comes from offense, believe it or not. Not a single digit of that comes from defense. He does not play a single position defensively well. It's I, I, I digress. I, you know what? If you don't mind, I'm going to take a moment here. Can you uh, give me a Sure. Yeah, do your thing, man. I mean, I wasn't planning on sticking around for the entire two hours tonight anyway, because, I mean, it's just like a, a big, long funeral march anyway. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, go do your thing, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I had it. I said it was a uh, it was a uh, short but long weekend all at the same time. I did a little more uh, partaking of adult sparkling beverages than I have over the last few days in quite some time. And uh, so before this show. You know, I had a, a nice tall glass of coffee yeah. to perk me up. Oh, yeah. And I, nice. And I've been sucking on Gatorade to, uh, you know, shake off the cobwebs, if you will. And, uh, you know, you got to drain it, man. Do it. Hit it up. <laughs> um, let me see here. I should have something here. Let me look. There we go. And there we go. Hey, all right. Look at that. I'll be back in 30. Roger that. Um, so, yeah, it's mentioned here in chat that uh, this team is historically bad. Yeah, I saw something from uh, Jay Kuda that they're literally the worst. Like, their left-handed hitters against right-handed pitching is, like, literally historically the worst team since, like, 1920. Um, and, uh, I mean, all you have to do is look at these – OPS numbers for for the, the OPS plus numbers for the team. Larry Garcia thirty seven, Grandal's forty nine, uh, AJ Pollock's is sixty six. Uh, like <sighs> Josh Harrison a forty seven, Reese McGuire a thirty six, Yohan Moncada's at a twenty two. I mean, it's just so many bad numbers. It's like how many bad numbers can you compile and still manage to stay about 500? Well, I'd say about half your roster, um, if I'm doing my math right here, uh, because about half of the uh, half of the guys that are in your, on you know, position players on your roster, half of them are below a 70 uh, OPS plus. So I'd say... That that's about that because uh, they're rolling right about five hundred. That's that. I guess that answers that equation. So, um, yeah, it's just the whole season has just been uh, ugly, and uh, I, at this point, I don't even really know what to uh, what to say about this stuff anymore because it's like I can just sit here and. Uh, talk about it you know i can only talk about it so much before it you know becomes like uh beating a dead horse and i mean you know what what is going to fix this whole thing at this point i don't even know you know i the the only thing i can think of is uh roster shakeup that's the only thing i can think of that's going to make any bit of a difference uh other than firing tlr and um 
I I do not see that happening, unfortunate. Unfortunately. Yeah, the Luis Gonzalez was it was not a good move when it was made. I wasn't happy about it at the time. Um you know, because they don't want to pay for him to rehab his shoulder and they thought nobody else would pick him up so they could uh not lose somebody in the Rule 5 draft. And uh you know, lo and behold a few few years later, you know, some of these guys that were on the 40 man roster at that point are no longer here. And uh you know, he's out in out in San Francisco hitting 320, 330 uh with some decent power while playing a a nice right field which a left-handed right fielder at this point in time wouldn't be a half bad thing. Uh, I mean, granted, we have one of those. His name's Gavin Sheets. Uh. Yeah. Um, you know, which, you know, I mean, uh, Gavin Sheets is cruising along at a uh, 80, uh, 80 OPS plus. So uh, at least he's not sub 70 like uh, the other half of the roster. But yeah, he kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, Daniel B. Polka a little bit when Sox fans were clamoring for him because he had a season where he had a a bunch of dingers, and then the following year kind of came out and uh, pretty much fell flat on his face. I think there was like an 0 for 35 to start the season or something, and uh, it was like the biggest deal in the world when he finally got his first hit and got, you know, sent down shortly after. <laughs> so, uh, kind of, rem- you know, uh, we're not seeing Gavin Sheets get sent down at the moment. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, after signs of what we thought could be a big season for him. He seems to have hit the sophomore slump pretty mm-hmm. hard, and he's not doing much for this baseball team right now. He had some big home runs a few weeks ago when they counted, you know, when they really needed him to. You know, he had some clutch moments, and I don't want to take any of that away from him, but on a game-to-game basis, this is probably not the guy I want to see in the lineup every day, at, currently anyways. You know, maybe you'd send him down, give him some time to figure out, Bring him back if he starts banging again down there, whatever. I don't care, but you know we got to look for uh, we got to look for some some real offense on this team because it's just not there at the moment. Yeah, I mean uh, it's bad when the entire White Sox offense looks like my fantasy team. You know what I'm saying? Like that's bad. So at some point. You would think that uh, maybe some of these numbers might skew back to the mean, you know, would come back to their normal normal numbers. But uh, I don't know. I don't, you know, I, there, I, I think that there is definitely something to be said for the fact that none of these guys have any protection at this point. You know? No, because you never know who's going to actually come through. You can put, eh, whatever. I no, I mean, no pitcher at this point in time is afraid of any one of the guys on the White Sox, so they're going to go straight at everybody. You know, and if there aren't guys in the lineup that are going to protect your better hitters, your better hitters are going to suffer as well. So the fact that the weaker hitters aren't hitting, the better hitters aren't hitting, So everybody is going to get, you know, a hundred percent from these pitchers, you know, nobody's going to be like, okay, well, I don't want to, I don't want to pitch to this guy. And, you know, I mean, there's just none of that. So everybody's just getting attacked and uh, nobody is really doing a whole lot of anything. And um, 
I don't know what's going to change it at this point. It's ugly. And, uh, yeah, that's about that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's rough, man. It really is. <laughs> I got nothing else. Yeah. I really don't know. I mean, I've said what I had to say. I don't want to, I don't want to repeat myself over and over again. Here. Yeah. That's we, what I'm saying is we tend to do that sometimes here. And, uh, you know, uh, I just, there really isn't much good to say. I would love to have something positive to say. And, and you know, we kind of hit on that earlier. So the pitching, for the most part, you know, aside for, from a, a bad game here or there, or, you know, a minor hiccup here and there, maybe one or two arms in the bullpen are having some, you know, some struggles that don't seem to be going away, whatever. But for the most part, the pitching staff has been pretty good. You know, hasn't been absolutely stellar. There's been a couple of guys on the staff that look like they are going to be stellar uh, as long as they can keep it up for the entire season. But, I mean, if it wasn't for them, this is a this is a bottom-of-the-barrel, you know, bottom three team offensively. And uh, there's really not much good to talk about there. Yeah, they are uh, 14th in the – AL and uh, 28th and MLB. Um, it's it's just plain ugly, man. Um, well, I'm sorry, bottom four in MLB. I'm well, bad. bottom three. Uh, they bottom are 28th, so the uh, Tigers and the Pirates are below them. Um, yeah, it's it's just sad. I, I at this point, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. Um, it's just ugly. Um, seventh ranked payroll in, uh, in baseball with $195 million payroll. And that's what this has got. And I mean, we've, we've talked about this before that had you not given early extensions to all these guys, you're probably not even top 15 or you're right around, you know, in top 15 somewhere. So there, there is that, um, they kind of inorganically, made it to seventh in payroll, I guess you could say, uh, because normally, you know, you would kind of, you know, build on that every time somebody went to arbitration, they kind of forced their way into, uh, into that by spending on younger players that they already had. Really. And the way those early extensions kind of work out, they actually hit in your, your, uh, your tax threshold a little bit differently as well. Yeah, so. which is something that I care not about because uh, they're losing. So, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah so, I, I mean, what's to look forward to for the rest of the season? Um, <laughs> at this point, uh, I'm not sure, but in the next week or so, uh, we'll get to see another Lance Lynn start. Um, I'm kind of interested to see what happens here I know that Danny Mendick's up, but I'm waiting until tomorrow until Rick Hahn does his, uh, you know, weekly uh, press-ish thing when there's an injury-type deal going on. He should probably mention TA's prognosis tomorrow, so we'll probably find out tomorrow what the what the deal is with him, and we find out how much time he's going to lose. And uh, we find out whether the season's pretty much going to be over or not, because if he's gone for a month or longer this season is 
as far as far as I can tell, unless something drastically changes, uh, the season's over. It, well, it, it feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. Uh, you know, and I want to address something that I just saw in the chat. Little, you know, the Sox don't spend money. The Sox have the, si- the seventh highest payroll, and they scored fewer runs in Baltimore. And then the very next comment is hopefully fans learn from this that you cannot buy success in the MLB. But the thing is, is really just did by the Sox spending money to get themselves to the seventh MLB or the seventh highest payroll in MLB, did they really spend for success? That's the question. They spent a lot of money on guys who had never played a single MLB game. They spent a lot of money on bullpen. Yeah, they instead spent- of Instead of paying them five hundred or you know seven hundred thousand dollars a year, now you're paying them four million dollars a year or seven million dollars a year instead of you know two right. million dollars a year. Spending more money on on utility players than most teams. Yep, they they didn't really spend for success. A lot of that money. Now we can talk about payroll all we want, but when you break it down, they really didn't spend the way fans are talking about spending. Yep. When we talk about spending, typically you're going to see a team wait out those guys' contracts a little bit so that they have that money on the books so that they can go out and get that real player that's going to make an impact on your team, a, a, a sustainable uh, impact, and not a guy who, you know, I like the A.J. Pollock signing, you know, given the time that it happened. Well, it's pretty we, much, you know, uh, we, yeah, I mean, they, what, it was like a... It was an 11th hour, you know, signing, but... Well, it was a trade, trade but I mean, like, the thing is, is that it was, uh, did they, and I'm trying to remember what his contract is for this year. I want to say that they actually saved a little bit of money. Yeah, they ended up saving, like, three and a half million dollars or something, or maybe it was... It was like a million and a half bucks. They ended up saving a little right. bit because of Kimbrell's contract, but yeah. Well, my whole point is is that you know we can look at all over, or overall payroll, and uh, we can say yeah, you know they have the seven tires payroll. <coughs> Excuse me, wow. <coughs> Where'd that come from? Sorry, apologize. Uh, but the reality is is they they haven't spent wisely. Nope. Uh, they haven't gone out and addressed. The, the needs and the issues that this ball club has had for years. And I'll leave it at that. I, mean, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I, we can talk about this until we're blue in the face, but I mean, we you're, you're paying 5.5 <laughs> to Larry Garcia. You're paying 4 million to Josh Harrison, you're paying 4.2 to Johnny Cueto. You're paying 3 million to Vince Velasquez. You know, I mean, you're piecing together, like finishing pieces on like one of those teams that's already a hundred percent finished. And unfortunately none of them can stay healthy and yet you're still paying for them. So. Right. And you know, that was something that, you know, you in particular have talked about in the past, you know, the white Sox will spend 25, $30 million in a season, but they'll spread it out over four or five, six guys instead of going out and getting that impact player or two. For yep. the same amount of money. And that is where in the the issue lies. Yeah, I mean I saw somebody blame, you know, say I'm gonna blame uh Zach Wheeler because pretty much everything after that was uh it's been downhill. And uh <laughs> yeah, I mean 
<laughs> blame his I wife, mean, wouldn't you? Because his wife's the one that made the uh, that made that that call. Apparently, so yeah, he's gonna take five million dollars less to play somewhere else because it's closer to home for her. Yeah, I mean, I'm more along the lines of I, you know, Harper, but you know, he's got a UCL injury, so uh, and he's still hitting home runs for him, even though he's got uh, a bad UCL. But whatever. Sometimes I guess it's just not in the cards, and uh, it seems to seems to me that uh, this is just one of those things where until there are some wholesale changes made, there's something that is not uh, n- something that's not right in this in this club somewhere. No, the organization as a whole seems to have a, a cloud hanging. Uh, and, you know, we talked about it earlier in the stream. There's going to be a lot of things that probably never make it out publicly, or at least not anytime soon. You know, we might hear about it years from now where somebody will come out and say, hey, you know, this is what was actually happening behind the scenes. But chances are you're not going to get a whole lot of that this year. Uh, the White Sox like to play that kind of thing close to the chest, um, you know, and, and as they should. But the reality is, is uh, you know, we're going out floundered things just haven't felt right and i don't know you know how you don't go about addressing that on a larger scale than what we've seen so far uh i don't know man it's just uh seems like the perfect storm of uh of bad i guess is the way is the way you could put it is that just this uh this franchise has just got the perfect storm of bad around it right now Um, yeah Injuries, players not playing, uh, inept manager, inept owner, GM probably making, you know, having bad decisions forced on him, probably making some of his own mistakes as well. Um, that Lavery thing is, you know, as mentioned in chat earlier that, uh, you know, that you don't want to blame it on Han considering that, uh, <laughs> see how this, uh, how this rebuild has been going. And then all of a sudden, three years to a utility guy. Um, who just happens to be the manager's favorite player. So that, uh, you know, the fact that you can pay him the little that you paid him and get, uh, I don't even remember what his, what his career is, but I want to say it's something like a uh, 89 WRC plus or something like that over his career. You know, you could stick him at second base and be okay, but yeah, bad defense, bad base running, bad fundamentals, just bad plate approach. About the only thing that has been good is the pitching staff. But the unfortunate thing is that the guy that's running the pitching staff and making the calls on the pitching staff, I don't have any uh, any faith in his ability to, to handle that pitching staff and make the correct decisions when it's time. So No. But you know, there's a you know that's coach on this team, and, and I'm not talking about the guy that actually runs the show and has the final call on the pitching staff, but the guy who is the pitching coach. Oh, he's fine. Seems seems to have really put some good things together for this White Sox team, you know. Uh, but it's unfortunate that uh, he does not get that. That uh, that final call when uh, 
changes need to be made and who needs to go out there and who needs the rest. And, you know, I'm sure he makes some advisory comments and, uh, you know, he, uh, He's 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 basically just an advisor, really, is what that final say. Yep, the, the the guru does the pitching guru. Yes, the guru, the one who leaves Matt Foster in to give up eight runs last year. That guy, you know, uh, got that all wanna, got that all out of his system. Everything will be fine after that. You'll see. I really don't want to. I don't want to go down that. You know. The TLR bashing rabbit hole. We've been doing so much of it. It's it's become, oh, it's become so tongue in cheek around here. It's I shouldn't even say that tongue in cheek is the wrong way to put it. It's just become such a a a, a crutch for the show here. We just seem to lean on that. It's easy, I mean, but there's a lot. Well, yeah, there's a lot of content. Yeah, he really he does provides give us a lot of provides us with much content. But, uh, you know, it, it's it's a tough, tough world to, to watch this in and not see or not hear from the team the things that you would hope to hear during a window of contention. That is the main focus of, of what my complaints are right now. You know, this team being 500 say, six years ago, a lot of fans would have felt okay about that because it was not a team that was built like this one. It was not a team that fans had had shoved down their throats that this was going to be a contender. We are going for it all. We are all in. World Series bond. What's the next step? Sustained success. The next step is uh, a championship. We're all in on a championship. Yes, it's it's yeah. uh, it's binary. You either win the championship or you don't. I mean, it's like we've right. heard like all these Hanisms for several years now, and it's like watching this team after hearing all that stuff for like the last couple of years. It's just like it put a bullet in my head. You know, it's brutal. Yeah, you know, I've heard a lot of folks say, "Well, this isn't a bad team." No, you. I mean, record-wise, you could make a case for a 500 team that still is in uh, a playoff contention talk possibly, you know, other, you know, they're three and a half out in the wild card or whatever it is. And, you know, it's not over. And I keep hearing, I still hear, you know, we're more than 25% into the season here and I still hear it's early. It's early. Yeah. Early. We can turn it around. But you know, if this wasn't a team that has been forced on us, I mean, for years and how, the window of contention and being World Series ready. If you know they do so, make it deep enough into the playoffs. This team is supposed to be a true World Series contender. We wouldn't be talking the way we are right now. If this wasn't talked about for so many years, we'd probably we probably wouldn't be happy fully, but we wouldn't feel as disappointed as we do. I mean, this is really just disappointing. It has become, I am almost, and I hate to die hard Sox fan through and through. Don't tell me how to fan, please. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. Yeah. But I, I am becoming disinterested. And I'm, I sit down and I watch close to every game. 
I can't say that I watch them all. You know, we all have lives and, and things going on, but I try to watch as many as possible. I try to go to as many as possible, you know, when my schedule permits. Unfortunately, I have a job that doesn't allow me to do that all the time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it just doesn't – It. I'm getting to the point where I'm losing interest in watching the same debacle over and over again where I am sitting here questioning. And people say, oh, you can say this after the fact. You can say that after the fact. I'm saying it while it's happening. Why is this guy – still in the game why is this guy not in the game why are we not pinch hitting for this guy why are we bunting in this situation you know we can talk about that we saw that we saw the bunt have come out a couple of times over the weekend where i went um what and then i hear people complaining about why didn't we bunt with a man on third and one out uh did you really look at that situation who was on third who was batting and uh where we were at in the game and you want to squeeze to try to tie the game? And you think that everybody in the world wasn't waiting for Tony La Russa to try and pull a squeeze bunt? I mean, it's like <laughs> every time something like that happens, it's like we're playing. It's like it's like the other manager is sitting in the dugout like Waterboy with the coach's, you know, idiot's guide to managing baseball. And they're sitting there laughing because they know exactly what TLR is going to do. And they know that he's going to pull some 1982 stuff and he's going to try and bunt, you know, in critical situations and give away outs. And they're like, yes, we'll take those outs. Thank you. I'll continue to watch, but um, I will historically bad, you know, it's It's just just bad. it's It's not fun to watch, you know, how long can we sit here? How long can we ex- be expected to sit here and watch a team that can't field the ball, can't throw the ball, and can't hit the ball, but has decent pitching? How long? How long are we going to stick around for that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, essentially, you know, <laughs> record aside, this team is. This has got to be one of the most boring teams. Yeah. On top of the frustrations we have, this has got to be one of the most boring teams I have ever seen. Yep. The, when the excitement is the the uh, in chat mentioned uh, nine guys thrown out at home plate by Joe McEwing trying to send guys from third, uh, trying to send Yasmani Grandal <laughs> from second to third, maybe possibly the slowest player in yeah. the history of baseball. <laughs> yeah. When that is when that is your excitement that you, like that's not the kind of excitement that I'm looking for. Um, Danny Goodell had had legs shorter than my forearm. Yeah, like you know, I, and he was probably faster than Yasmani Grandel. <laughs> I, I mentioned this, I think, last stream is that the one thing that the White Sox have had going in their favor is that this year their offense is a lot more consistent. They're not scoring twelve runs one game and then one run the next game. Now they're, they're scoring, scoring like three or four, three or four every game. The problem is, is that. The other teams are scoring, you know, I, th- I think I was looking at it the other day. I think they're something like 3-19 and 19 when the other team scores four or more, uh, four or more runs. And it's, about it's right. not even June yet. Like, it's just absurd. The, the fact that we're even talking about this stuff, it just shows just the ineptness 
of this baseball team and that something needs to change. And I don't think that, uh, I don't think that Jerry Reinsdorf is going to be willing to make the change that I think is needed, which is getting rid of TLR because that guy is cheeks. But the thing is, you got you got AJ, you know, being interviewed the other day saying that the White Sox are going to win by the division by twenty games because they've got the most talent in the division. Huh? Yeah. Okay, dude. Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No shot. That would mean that they'd have to play like. F- 40 games over 500. <laughs> well, that's, the, that's like the that, guy that, know? that's the guy that people wanted to, for their manager right there. Uh, and yeah, he's okay. living in fantasy land. So no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd say we call it there for the week. I mean, it's we're half an hour early, but, uh, you know, it's been a nice weekend and we got work tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, and you I can only wanna... beat up on this team for so long, really. I mean, they beat up on themselves quite well. At this point, um, there's really not a whole lot positive to uh, to talk about at this point. I mean, there's a couple of little tiny stories, but, I mean, really the big story is lots of injuries, um, COVID, bad coaching, bad performance, uh, you know, bad money and, yeah. spent. Um, bad injuries. Yeah. It's just, it. it's just bad on top of bad. Uh, you know, the only thing I'm really looking do this week as you mentioned before is you know obviously uh rick Hahn will probably have his little you know injury presser tomorrow and uh i'm i'm kind of curious to see what kind of moves are going to be made yep but uh i am not thrilled about the prospect of the lineup coming up uh and like <laughs> we said we're probably going to see well we're probably going to see about the same amount of leary or possibly i'm more, looking for lead off that leroy that's what i'm looking yeah. for and uh, you know what we get since we've been seeing pretty much Leary almost every day so far this season. I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what we get uh, in place of Tim Anderson, and uh, you know where we go from here. But uh, I, yeah, I just you know I would like to say that I'm hopeful that things are going to turn around, and it just doesn't look that way. Yep. Well, uh, glad to hear that you had a nice Memorial Day. I also had you as well a decent Memorial Day. Um, I'm wearing actually I'm wearing the uh, American flag uh, Winston Salem dash hat, uh, limited edition. Uh, where is that? Oh, look at that. There you go, limited edition. Always on the USA. forefront of fashion, you are. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so tomorrow we get uh, some minor league baseball back. Um, you know, I I like that they have Mondays off for them, but I don't like it so much for myself. Um, I kind of miss it on Mondays when it's not here. At least have you know like one or two of them playing on a Monday would be nice. But um, that's what that's what would be awesome is if they would you know like stagger the day off. You know, like have. Some of them have a Tuesday off, and some of them have a Monday off. That would be really nice, but um, alas, that's not what they did. So, um, yeah. So, uh, a couple of things to look forward to. Uh, we'll find out stuff tomorrow, uh, as far as injuries go, and um, if there's any promotions, you know, moves made. I don't know. We'll see. I kind of doubt any of that stuff's going to change. I kind of think that uh, 
Mendix here for a little while, and uh, we'll get to uh, enjoy some more uh, single-digit OPS slash WRC plus numbers from uh, Josh Harrison and Larry Garcia versus left-handed pitching. And um, Awful. we'll continue to uh, be able to enjoy that for a little while longer, at least. Um like to thank people that came and hung out in the chat on this Memorial Day. And uh, I don't know. We'll see what's going to happen. This uh, season is not turning out like I thought it would. Would I? Did I think that they were going to be amazing? No, I did not. But I thought that they would at least be somewhat competitive. And so far, uh, not really. So, Yeah, I hope they prove me wrong. I hope they prove us both wrong. I would be happy to eat that. I would be happy to come out on the, on a show and say we got it all wrong. We were we were all wrong. Although you know what, we can't really say that we've been wrong. At this point because as bad as they have been, we're not wrong. We're only wrong. The only thing I would like to be wrong about is the future. Yeah. But so far, we've been pretty spot on. Fortunately, um, yeah. So you have been listening slash watching White Sox Daily Live. Uh, you can find us on the Twitter machine at Daily White Sox. You can find us on Facebook and uh, Substack.com slash White Sox Daily. Um, you can find all that stuff there. You can find this in podcast mode wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, my name is Ian Eskridge. My co-host is The Danny Miller. And thank you guys for coming on and watching tonight. And uh, we will catch you guys next week where hopefully there is some positive stuff to talk about. Uh, A positive turnaround. You guys have a great night. Thank you very much. Thank you.